so far, Jesus has not come down from the clouds to declare what is correct orthodoxy and what is not correct orthodoxy. He has, he has a, not smited the heretics. And, and it has uh, Hasidisa. I'll have to bring one of Yeah, my, but that's something I, that, that's eschatological. It happens in the future. Yeah. So far, it hasn't happened yet. And so... They, it's happened. They have that guy on, on the planet. He's here now. Oh, okay. Yeah, but that's a cult. Most people, given an opportunity for certainty, will jump at it. Right. Right? And, and some people crave certainty so badly that they will accept whoever comes along saying, this is how it works, this is how we're going to do things, this is what's going to solve everything, just trust me. Even if that person is objectively cartoonish. <coughs> Trump. <laughs> Trump. Welcome to Crossing Face, or Christian and Muslim, Tough Religion and Politics. I'm John Pinna, and I'm here with my friend Elliot Toman. Uh, we've gone through a little bit of a transition with Crossing Face. Uh, Matthew Hawkins, uh, who founded the show with me, long-standing colleague, uh, has had a number of uh, health issues and is focusing on family. Uh, so we're starting season nine as sort of a soft launch. Elliot and I are... are uh, uh, Commonly speaking with each other, every Monday we sit down and talk theology and politics and uh, a lot of shenanigans locally here in upstate New York. Uh, he's an evangelical Christian. I'll let him tell, tell a little bit about himself in a second. Um, but we thought we would start season nine uh, in, in sort of a community uh, component. Um, we're two friends, just like Matthew and I, uh, who chat about religion and politics on, on a regular basis. and sort of ping each other with questions that we have. We have a really wonderful season coming up where we have uh, a number of contacts from my government relations career uh, in DC and, and globally coming to uh, speak and, and uh, launch the next season. Uh, but we thought we'd bring to you our common conversations that we have on Monday morning. So Elliot, thank you for coming. Thank you for having me, John. Can you give a little background of yourself, your your faith background, and and uh, who you are and what you're about? Sure. Well, I grew up as a charismatic evangelical Christian, and also as someone who is very curious about the faith in which I grew up, and so I have done a lot of uh, research, you know, amateur research, and and just studying as part of that process, and uh, I met john more or less at random and we have enjoyed uh talking to each other you know for a year or so um on a regular basis because he comes from a muslim slash catholic background and i come from a charismatic christian background um we are both curious about theological studies and we're both open-minded and and interested in learning about other people's perspectives and growing as much as we can from from those experiences, and so we, we share that in common, and uh, have a good time talking about these subjects without ever taking it so seriously that so far it hasn't come to blows. It hasn't. How did we meet? I can't remember. We met. Uh, we my wife and I just happened to stop by this coffee this this donut shop that was starting to open up, and we you know we talked to Kai, uh, your your missus, and. Um, you were just this guy, you kind of in the background, half wearing a mask, making obnoxious comments. But you had kind of put all sorts of interested um, pictures up on the walls that uh, 
I noticed had some kind of religious and some religious significance some you know there there is some dune stuff up there science fiction stuff so anyway as we chatted a little bit it just turned out that that you had interests that were relevant to my interests and kind of hit it off after that for those of you who who, who are, are, are listening the cafe is run by kai uh and i'm when we first opened, Kai ran, ran the operations on the front end, really the, 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 the barista part uh, and uh, the coffee serving part, and I had run the baking, so I'd be in the back. And uh, my philosophy is we, we provide fast service no matter how long it takes. And the customer generally is not right. <laughs> That's too, I don't think I've ever had a customer that's been correct about what, 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 what's going on and what's happening. But the idea is is that uh, in the lobby, in uh, when we did open in COVID, we had this sort of strange restrictions put on us. We had to have social distancing in the, in the back end, and it was takeout only. And I had put pictures from my uh, my, my my collection, my life, and that I had accumulated uh, all throughout the lobby. And most of the pictures are related to the Hudson Valley. Uh, and then the, the balance is to my life in some manner, shape, or form. So uh, I'll have pictures of like Lawrence of Arabia there, and people say, oh, how is he related to the Hudson Valley? And I'll say, well, the guy who coined the phrase Lawrence of Arabia and the guy who took all those pictures of the Arab Revolt was a little Thomas. He's from the Hudson Valley. And I have a, a picture of the surrender of Appomattox. And in that picture, uh, that painting, famous painting, the surrender of Appomattox, in the Appomattox uh, house, farmhouse, there's a guy in there. His name is Colonel Sharp. And he's from Kingston. And in the picture, there's a table, and he looted the two candlesticks that were on that table, and they reside uptown. And the Appomattox Historical Society has been trying to repatriate them, and archives is, Belcher County Archives like to find these keepers. So there's a lot of like weird, sort of kooky stuff in there. Um, and uh, uh, some pictures of family and some pictures of me and then Kai runs the front end um, but it wasn't Team Jesus was it Team Jesus? Uh, it wasn't Team Jesus but uh, there was a, something of an intersection there there was a group of uh, evangelical Christians uh, who had been meeting they meet here every Wednesday Th- are they still um, meeting here? they meet every Wednesday outside <clears throat> and yep. uh, um, they're an intra-faith Christian community that differ on theology but they meet in fellowship so they all come from the same wellspring they all come from the same church and then all hell broke loose at this particular at some particular time and they all went to sort of scatter to the four corners and uh and they still come together in fellowship but they differ on practice interpretation and uh some some major theological points i think um Sometimes they get into conversation, but there's a lot of jamboreeing. The, the, the music, uh, there was a witch store across the street, and one of their key accomplishments, um, she sells, sold spells, potions, and fortunes. Uh, one of their big accomplishments was they prayed regularly to get to, for her to leave, and she did leave. Oh, wow. But it's from COVID. But <laughs> because she... I always thought it was the I always thought the mafia ran the place because yeah. I was thinking if the mafia wanted to launder funds, why wouldn't you open up like a holistic whatever and be like, you know, what do we, we made four million in spells this year, you know, we made five million in potions, 
no one it's not traceable it's like no one would know what this is but anyways they they were really excited about about her leaving but they just kind of meet and talk about stuff it's mostly like you know they come up with like a slogan and then they they kind of focus on that slogan and it's usually a saying from Jesus that's very I don't know, it's just kind of ambiguous. And then I, and I, I always ask them, like, what does that mean? And they don't, it, they, it means it means this. So they pick a different slogan every week? They pick a slogan every week. Hmm. Um, I, I, and I try to interject things. So I always try to say, well, why don't you guys talk about something fun, like the Leviathan? <laughs> they don't want to, they don't, they don't, they don't want to talk about it. And I'm not sure they know. I, I, the last time they came in, I go, well, why don't we talk about how Christian apologetics is like the beginning of like cancel culture and and, I, and they were like what do you mean and I was like well Salome you know she it wasn't enough that that Johnny B was imprisoned she had to get you know do a dance to convince Antipas right uh, to, to cut off the cut off his head and cancel him completely I don't know you know I don't know how tight that connection is but I thought it was a fun thing and they were like oh I don't I don't know about that but yeah, well, no problem canceling the person across the street, though. Right. Well, that's an interesting, interesting thing that happened. It, it makes me wonder whether COVID was was God ordained to put a bunch of of businesses that 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 God didn't like out of business. Was was COVID an answer to prayer? Oh, well, I mean, now now we're going down. This is like this is such an evangelical thing to say. Well. I, I mean, I'm hearing you say that the actual source of COVID was the Jesus group meeting here in the donut shop. It could have been. Yeah. Could have been. Forget Wuhan. Yeah. Was, yeah. There were no bats involved. Has anybody done an investigation about the power of prayer? Ground zero here in Kingston, New York. Yeah. I mean, I, I we see a lot of the laying in hands and the power of God and all that business. And even John, you guys are passionate about this, the the spirit, the uh, the Holy Ghost. What do you guys call it? The, the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. That's yeah, it. I prefer the Holy Ghost, but most evangelicals use the Holy Spirit. Right. You guys are really into that. Yeah. And and you can in, invoke it with flags and all kinds of of uh, uh, of shenanigans. What like how, explain to me? Why don't we walk through that? I was at a church once. They and I was nervous because they had were running through the aisles with these massive flags and yep. waving them around. And uh, and I, I turn and I go, I'm really nervous about this. <laughs> I was like, what's... And they're like, why? I'm like, first of all, it's a safety issue. There's a lot of waving of flags and someone's going to lose an eye. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, why are, we, why are they doing this? And the person who had brought me to church to see all this stuff goes, well, it's to it's to bring about the holy spirit it's to to to, to and, and i was like i was like like a like a ritual like a dance like like, like a summoning mm-hmm. and she's like no nah. i go it, it it looks like that to me mm-hmm. it appears that it's that and i and then on top of that i go how how much how much pride how much wish do you have to have to think that you're going to be summoning you know the, the powers of God around you. You know what, what appears. To, you know for, with, with you guys, it's the Trinity. So, like a third of that is you have access to to pull in right at that moment with flags. Well, the Holy and Spirit, you know, you know is yeah, yeah, seen as a person of God, and therefore doesn't have any limits, right? So there's like there's no restriction 
from an evangelical perspective on how many places the Holy Spirit can be at once. So the the doctrine, like so many things, has some sort of some some paradoxes in it. Uh, the the idea is so. There's this quote that that Jesus says, "Where two or more are gathered, I am there with them." Right, and for evangelicals, that means anytime you have a gathering of Christians in common spirit, then Jesus is there with them, and the way that Jesus is there with them is by way of the Holy Spirit. So, because the the persons of the Godhead are interchangeable in that way. Right. So, God's everywhere. Allah's everywhere. Period. Right. So, on one hand, why do you need this pretense? Yeah. The only the only prerequisite is that two or three Christians be gathered together. On the other hand, you want to have this experience, especially in kind of like a charismatic setting. This is not necessarily true for other types of Protestant or even evangelical congregations, but for a charismatic evangelical um, congregation, charismatic really just being a reference to the invocation of the Holy Spirit or, or signs caused by the invocation of the Holy Spirit. You, wanna, you basically want to kind of stir that spirit up. And so this is like a very emotional sort of group experience where you're working the group into a fervor because the more ecstatic the experience becomes, the, the more that is understood as the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so there's a lot of things that take place to try to encourage the Holy Spirit to be more strongly present than he would be otherwise, I, I suppose. So I've seen some of the videos of the people like freaking out, like dancing. Yeah. They start to, and then speaking in tongues and all that stuff. I've seen that. I've been around some of that with, with when, I, when I've been around. And I, and I, I mean, and I can say from a Muslim perspective, I mean, from my perspective, you know, when I, when I prayed with, when I prayed with Papa and, 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 and I, and you're, and you're at the mosque or the, and you're, you're sitting there and you're, you're slotting out with everyone. There is something going on there, but it's prayer, mm-hmm. and uh, it's not a concert. <laughs> it's not fist bumping. It's not that you know double gunning to the sky, which you know, I've been around quite a bit when I've been around deep evangelicals. The Catholic tradition, you know, there, there was uh, it was just in Italy, and I popped into one of the churches to see what was going on, and they were. Every, everything's focused on the front you know there's a few there's some prayers some songs a lot of sitting and kneeling and up and down and that it's the ritual that's in the prescribed ritual that, that that's very it was very in close alignment with going to the Imam Barga going to going to a mosque it was mm-hmm. very very in alignment that everybody's up at the same time everybody's down at the same time everybody's on the on the on the, on the kneeler uh, everybody's reciting the same things. Right. It was very. I, that's why I always say, like, you're always if it's Eastern Orthodoxy or Catholicism. You're closer, kind of, to the source. You know, there, there's a there's a ritual. There's a prescribed thing. It was a free for all. I'm thinking of this one instance, which is was uptown here. It was a free for all. People had flags. People were grabbing things. People were running through the aisles. Yes. There was all kinds of stuff. The kid in front of me was like sack of M and M's. You know, so I was like, "What's uh, what's going on here, buddy?" 
and he was and but everything was acceptable and i kind of appreciate the freedom of it all mm-hmm. but as a muslim you know it's very it's very i think prescribed elements on how to get from point a to point b and it doesn't it's the thing that i have a hard time with on one end so and evangelicals is like convert accept jesus and then it's a free-for-all mm-hmm. you're saved if you don't you're damned forever yep so that's that's it's the, binary. Yeah, so that's that's the system. You can act as much a fool as you want. Pretty much. In fact, uh, you may recall that in the Old Testament there is a story about David acting foolish, right? Where he is there's like this this victory parade that's going through the city and David is out in front of the parade singing and dancing and then he strips off all of his clothes. And so he's like dancing around in the buff and his his wife is like hey stop stop you're you're embarrassing yourself and uh david says you know i'll be even more of a fool than this for the lord and evangelicals at least in my experience really embrace that story as an example of how uh connecting with god as a form of humility uh, we we adopt even kind of a clownish, um, un, unrestrained stance um, because uh, from the charismatic evangelical perspective, that sort of like stony, restrained uh, position that you might see in, in a more traditional uh, Protestant church is limiting the activity of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is sort of being restrained because yeah, another verse, Jesus says, uh, the the Holy Spirit is like the wind. Nobody com- knows where it comes from or where it's going. It's viewed as this person that's sort of wild and wants to do wild and unexpected things if you'll let him. It's interesting because I... So I used to have a, a, a page from an Ottoman... Was it like a Quran in my office when I was... When I was in Washington and then when I was overseas. I used to bring it with me. I gave it to my number one in Afghanistan. Um, and it was it was at a page from the Quran about about Shuaib, who is uh, Shuaib Jethro. Okay. So well, I, you know, so and and I always used it because when you're with your staff and you're doing your thing, I always would say we're 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 the face of the organization, right? So when the door is shut. We can have talk about whatever we want to talk about when the doors open. We represent the institution, right? And and I, I was we 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 always used to space very specific things on the code of conduct. So this is who we are. We are uh, uh, we're honest. We're loyal, and we and and we're we're honest. We're loyal and and, and transparent. I think. Um, and so I would always say, well, when it comes to our honesty, we share with each other what's going on and how we feel about what's what's going on. And notice I didn't say the truth because there's no such thing as truth when it comes to each one of us. But we have to make sure that we discuss the issues. We're loyal. We stay the course, and we press we we, we press forward with our decisions. And uh, and and then and and I said, see, you see that picture over there? I see that that page of the Quran. That's Schwab. And here's the thing, the guy floated around, was from Indian, went all the way around, and he was telling people the way. And he would, went, he would go around and he would say, oh, you know, 
there's this one town that was giving them a problem and they'd say this is the way this is the way and they'd say well, you know we're not really interested and and he would go around and everybody would be start following him following, saying you know saying you want to know what he's right let's go with him but they kept going back to this town and they'd say you know we don't we don't we're not really into it keep going around and he's getting more of a community of concern around the, the belief system right and Schwab is like a, like a founding prophet of the Druze, right? So like, like our cousins, the Israelites. And, and he goes back and they say, come on in for dinner. We're excited to see you. They sit down and they go through this whole thing. And he says, so you guys are, after through two or three hours of conversation, and he says, uh, so you guys are, you guys are, you're good. You're with me. And they're like, no, we're not. And he goes, you understand, like, could be, could be smited it's, it's like a thing if you're not and so this is like the way and so I always used to see as an example that is an example of like it's our job to tell command the way and the risks they might make a different decision but we have to be honest we have to be forthright we have to make sure what's going on if they make the, the wrong decision it's our job to execute that 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 wrong decision mm -hmm. once the policy is made that's it and uh we can try to steer things in the right direction. We can talk about the risks, but once and, and we once we make the decision to the to, as command, our soldiers got to do the right thing. Got to got to follow out our commands too. We can we can expect the same behavior, but we always got to be honest and put everything up through the through the chain of command. And I I always used to think about that in the context of Islam. That there's a way. There's a prescribed element of how to do things. Um, now I come from an esoteric branch of Islam, so we're we're sort of Islam after hours, which I just watched a TikTok this weekend where it's this guy, this guy's arbitrating on on what is or what isn't haram in Islam. And people, this is common, I think, in every religion. But a guy is sitting there going, uh, you know, is it okay to drive my car through a draw car wash? No, because the you know the water, you know, he's saying all these arbitrary things. And then someone pops in and goes, are Shia, are Shia Muslims? And he's like, no, it's Haram. The whole second largest branch of Islam you know, is gone, you know, like right there um, because he's Hanbali, right? So he's saying, you know, no, uh, of course, you have to, you have to go with, with my branch of Islam. Uh, and 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 everything everything else is nonsense, especially the Shia. Those are bad guys, and you know it, mm. it's it's incidental contact Sunni and Shia. It's just all they're all Muslim. It's not, but and we can get into it if you really want to get into the difference and all this other stuff. They can teach you the difference between the two in three minutes. But the problem is is there's a way a prescribed way, and. And some people are fundamentalists, not, I don't mean that in the, in the pejorative terminology of like someone who's like a terrorist or a radicalized, but some people just pray five times a day. They, they try to do some good deeds, go on Hajj, they follow the five pillars, and then they're good. Um, but there's others that, that, that uh, and I would say the majority uh, of the Muslim population that live in, in accordance with you know, Sharia, which is not just law, but it's the way of Islam, right? It's everything, uh, and and so are are operating on this this construct of ethics, rules, morals, and values. And ninety, you know, seven percent of the Quran is how to live, and that's how they're doing it. So it seems so odd to be catalyzing God into this 
extremely playful and and I and I like I say I'm not kind of esoteric with the, when it comes to, to to how I how I how I interact with with God with my faith but it seems frivolous and and almost paganistic to to be jumping around the fire and futzing around with flags and 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 like you could movement but it's not just movement there's there's a whole lot of stuff going on there i mean the people that go to christian concerts think that they're that that's a whole air uh, 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 holy spirit thing mm-hmm. right christian rock and all that stuff and yeah everybody. that's all the holy spirit full on am i wrong no it's interesting because the dynamic uh in uh, many of the uh, evangelical churches that I grew up in and spent time in was modeled directly after a concert, and there was no distinguishable difference between them. And the sort of antics that took place from the stage and that sort of thing were very similar, if not identical, to the concert. And actually, the church that I worked at uh for a long time moved more and more in that direction until by the time that I uh, left, the whole experience was really framed around being as concert-like as possible. There were lights, there were smoke machines, most of the church's money went into the audio system and, and production. Um, the church had beautiful old like um tiffany stained glass windows we covered those bitches up and put like uh, led lights in them (laughs) so that they could flash all these different colors and and stuff like that um it was (laughs) really something and it's part of what caused me to to really question what our motivations were and what we were doing because it dawned on me that we were curating an emotional experience and none of that experience was based on any sort of traditional ritual or prayer or anything like that. It was all based on using technology and known emotional psychological methods to stir up an emotional fervor in the crowd and and so you know on one hand you've got this very curated concert like experience and the other hand you're singing songs that in many cases are specifically ab- ab- about asking the holy spirit to come and be present holy spirit come being be among us stir us up like show your power that sort of thing because why? Why? Why do you want? Why would you want the Holy Spirit to come and show you? Like, what's the? So what the charismatic that? branch of Christianity is a postmodern movement that is a reaction to the introduction of Enlightenment science and values into the popular mindset. What happened was in the late 1800s and early 1900s. Um, science became more and more important as a, a value scientific thinking and the the age of reason yeah the age of reason right so the historicity and scientific accuracy of the bible came into more and more question and 
over time, this this created sort of an experiential um, de-evolution within certain branches of Christianity. Kind of two things happened as a reaction to it. One was fundamentalism, the idea that no matter what the external evidence may or may not be, you have to trust the words of the Bible as literal and factual, even in spite of the evidence. In this case, the evidence itself is demonic. And so, there's that. The other reaction to it is to say, well, I don't know about all that necessarily, but what I know is what I've experienced. And so, you can't uh, so there's a there's a phrase that's used within the charismatic evangelical church, and that is you can't argue with a changed life, or or another way of putting it is you can't argue with my personal experiences. Right. Like you can say whatever you want about the historicity of the Bible, right? But I had this experience, and I can describe to you what that experience is, and it's real to me. And so it's similar to a Catholic saying, "Well, I saw the statue of uh, of Mary weep." Right. Um, but, you know, in, in its own particular expression, it's like, I've had these experiences, and in my moments of doubt or confusion, I can go back to those experiences and connect with, okay, this is true, this is real, I've been there, which is why... In the world that I grew up in, it was so important to get kids and teenagers on board. You wanted to get them in these services and in these camps and stuff like that so that you could give them these emotional experiences that they would interpret as connections with God, right? right? And then hopefully in the future, in their moments of doubt, they'd be like, well... You know, I, I have my serious doubts about this passage of scripture or the historicity of this incident or something like that. But then again, I had this really profound experience as a teenager, and I can't question that. You know, so there must be something to it. Right. Okay. And then we, it's all, there's also like because it's so emotional and intense, there's an addictive quality. And so if nothing else gets you up on a Sunday morning to go to church, maybe the fact that it's like a fun concert is going to do it. Well, you know, so here's the thing. So I have, in a a previous uh, conversation with Matthew, we were talking about the the prayer circle that I was in. And it was was popped on me. uh, So I was, was, you know, involved in president since Clinton. So I I was involved in the Trump administration, and I was at the National Day of Prayer dinner. And uh, um, there's a, a, it's not a famous picture, but there's a picture of me sitting behind Melania and she has a her typical sort of face on and everybody circled it and sent me the picture uh, a week afterwards saying you know they call it the breakup picture <laughs> uh, but it's really kind of funny it's like like people had arrows and right and they go clearly she's not over you you know like and I was like you know and, and it, it, it ended up getting back through first lady's office and they that, didn't like that. Yeah, that would be your, your big concern, wouldn't it? You don't want to get on no, Trump's I mean, it, was a, it was a fiasco. Anyways, um, so I was on the COVID task force for uh, uh, for faith communities, so I was I was making sure that we could have consideration for Muslims to pray um, and, 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 and places of worship uh, and um, and was involved in the census, in, 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 in faith engagement for the census, particularly religious minorities, to get them, make sure that they were included in the census, which was largely overlooked by the evangelical staff at, at, at Commerce. But um, it was funny. I'd done a lot, I did a lot of things trying to bring Muslims and, and, and religious minorities engage in the White House. 
And Pastor Paula thought, you know, she's like, the things are so great, but you know, how you're doing this? And I said, look, I do it for every administration. It doesn't, you know, it's not unique. And so she felt compelled to bring, to, to bring me, we were in the National Day of Prayer dinner. The, the breakfast is big, but the dinner's 100 people. So here we are, I pop in, I got this, and largely the, 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 the Trump camp, I didn't know anybody. I just knew a few people. Um, but I, engagement with obviously the highest office in, a, in, in the country is important at any any with any presidency. So you need to engage, engage, engage. So they felt compelled to invite me, and I realized I was there. And uh, and they they brought me to this in this back room, and then they all of a sudden uh, she said, you know, come with me, and we went to this back room, and then everybody started holding hands, and then and, and they and. She put her hand on my shoulder and I, and, and like, it's almost like pushing me down a little bit. Yep. And I, and, and so I had to like, not, it was weird because I, 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 and she's like, she's like, no, no, no need for a minute. We're just gonna, we're gonna thank you and, and, pr and pray over you. And I was like, that's not necessary. That's not, you don't need, and before I know it, I'm all co-opted into it. They've got their hands locked. They're talking about angels around me. Thank you, this, and laying their hands. And I, I was talking about how it was, uh, it was a really strange experience because I had never experienced that before. I was really extremely nervous to the point where I was like, I was like, get out of here. Yeah. Uh, and there was a, a, a strange component of eroticism to it because, you know, she's wearing a low cut dress. I was kneeling a little bit and front and center there mm -hmm. to the whole business. And so I'm trying to respect their faith tradition i have no idea what's going on with it and i don't have the same ex idea about such things that like you're these like the, you're talking about these kids or these members of this community would have where i'm this is it it's happening right now you know right. like i'm sitting there going it's an ambush right <laughs> yeah and not only that i don't know what's but i'm but you know clearly nothing's gonna happen in the white house unless they were you know, I was invited to dinner and they were planning on eating me, which that did go through my head. But, I, you know, you're trying really hard to be on the level. And later on, a week later, I sent to Matthew, I sent him this, this diagram. Because apparently there are people that have thought this before. It's how to escape a prayer circle. And there's all these different, it's a, and a Christian <laughs> came up with it, you know. There's, yeah. like, like, there's like five or six different sort of, uh, panels that says, you know, roll away, fake this, do that, you know, be like all different. And so people have felt uncomfortable in it too, but imagine you don't have that perspective. And so the person that, that's in the middle has to want it and think, and, and I've already accepted the general pretense mm -hmm. of that this is, a, this is real and possible. It's not just a bunch of people manufacturing a scenario. And in that case, I felt they were trying to be multi-faith. They were trying to be nice, but they were also doing a lot for themselves. Yeah. Were they speaking in tongues? Well, this is what happened. They talked about commanding the angels, commanding the angels, and they named a few of them. Oh, wow! Coming around, and I—that I, was one. And and it came to a point where I said to myself, "You got it. You got to power through this because this is like a unique experience. Like nobody." And, and here's, it's common, but I don't think many non people of non faith go through it in that capacity mm -hmm. with, you know, a, a name brand uh, prosperity gospel person. Yeah. Like Pastor Paul. So 
and, and you're, you're, I mean, they were talking about commanding the angels, uh, you know, protecting the work that I do, uh, doing, making sure that the president is blessed and, and, and his, his enemies of his agenda are smited. Oh, wow. Stuff like that. And, and I was, it, it was, it was such a moment in time where there was all these components and uh, of, and everybody who was there felt that they commanded angels, God maybe adjacent, but God. And then on top of that, we're in a fervor mm-hmm. where there was one or two sort of words I didn't understand, and I think that was speaking in tongues. Okay. And it was like a ba 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 ba, and I going. And I know a few languages, you know, like, so I was like, it's not Dari, it's not Urdu, it's not Russian, it's not, you know, that kind of going through a little bit. No, that would be the angelic language. Yeah, yeah. John. Yeah, of course, I think. And and I'm processing this all, and I'm going, and and when you were talking about all this, this sort of creating these experiences, I can see how somebody who was born into it or I just converted and was looking to be elevated would be really excited about such things uh-huh. my problem is i'm too ju- judicious about everything you know i'm very when i have events with high level people i'm not enamored by it i'm running operations right mm-hmm. um when i'm trying to when i'm when i'm when i'm praying it's my thing right i'm i'm generally in my own little world or and plugged into my community but i'm but I'm not looking for, I understand that faith is something that's so internal and it has to do with conduct and has to do with leaving the world a better place, has to do with making sure that you're uh, abiding by the dignity of humanity in, 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 in a manner of which allows for you to look inward and make sure that you're on point. So that you can make, so that you and I can have this conversation and we respect each other, right? And and so, to manufacture something for someone's faith, um, to give somebody a faith experience, it doesn't it it it, it seems peculiar to me. Mm-hmm. And clearly, everybody had done it multiple times, had like a script in their head of what they are going to say or how they were cued. I don't know how that worked. Sure, but. Like I have a buddy of mine who's evangelical, and he would say the same thing every time I would take a trip. Mm-hmm. You know, you know the tri- the something about a triangle, uh, the three angels Gabriel and 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 Ar- and Michael, uh, the archangel, I think, and and he would say, you know, protect you on this and da da da. And I was like, it's not that really necessary. You know, we don't we don't really like to talk about Gabriel. <laughs> like he's not. He's you know, not. We don't really want to get into that. Yep. Um, and uh, you know Gabriel's like the Holy Spirit in, in Islam, so he's like the guy, the judging guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, you die and that's it. He's gonna ask. He's gonna take your ledger, for better lack of words, and say, you know, are you, and and so you you don't want to, do you want to tangle with him? Mm-hmm. You don't want to interact with him, Jibril. You know, so it's the thing. So like to to do this in such a super frivolous, I don't know, it's frivolous, maybe superficial or a casual manner, I think is maybe the right word, is be very peculiar. You know, um, people make fun of, his, of Islam and Muslims because we don't like to see that the depictions of prophets. Mm-hmm. My criticism of the Muslim population is nobody has a problem with showing with, with depictions of Jesus. No Muslims have problems with depictions of Jesus. But of course, 
the, the, the Prophet, you know, Muhammad, you know, people upon him and all the families, right, of Jesus and everybody else, Hasidisa. They don't have a problem with, with the depiction of Jesus, all right, or Moses or Musa, all these guys. But when it comes to Muhammad, everybody freaks out. Like, you, you can't have it both ways, right? If it's yeah. all prophets, then you need to be in the mix with it all. But because they're all venerated in a way in which demonstrates a, a non, a non, a, there's no race, there's no, there's no, a, there's no face, there's nothing so that everyone can identify with them. That's, that's part of the beauty of Islam. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that you're going to be best friends with them <laughs> and, and, and be able to like, you know, like with a fishing rod, you know, reel them in whenever you want is, is odd. Yeah, so well, it's extremely odd to me. Evangelicalism is a product of the Reformation. So the idea behind the Reformation is up up to the Reformation, Christianity had more or less been a process of putting barriers in between God and the average layman. Right. Right. You know, and, the language of the of the Bible. I, I mean, you know, you and I talk about the Reformation, so the language of the Bible, like Latin or and then there's no translations of the Bible. Yeah, and just the, interpret. the priesthood and then yeah. the Pope and stuff like that. We have that and, problem in Islam. So there's yeah. people that can't speak Arabic. And the Imams then interpret the the, the, the the Quran or cherry pick the Quran. And then people think that this is Islam and they're following Islam, but they're really doing what someone's telling them. Because they don't they they don't they don't, they don't read Arabic or they're they're allowing somebody to interpret the word in such a way. Yeah, because you don't want a free-for-all if you ha- have kind of an established religion that's trying to accomplish a certain set of goals yeah. you don't want the average joe making their own interpretation of that religion and so the reformation among other things was a reaction to that systematized process that put all these layers of separation between god and the average person and so in a very quick period of time all those barriers were removed. And so, you know, within or very close to Martin Luther's lifetime, you now had congregations of Christians that were specifically geared around removing all layers of separation between the person and God. And so, that ends up with things like, at the extreme ends, you know, Quakerism, for example. But in evangelical uh, interpretation, that's that's the idea is 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 christianity more than anything else is for is is phrased as a personal relationship between the individual and jesus christ and so once you become saved by way of the holy spirit you have a direct line to jesus you know you've got a red phone to jesus and at any point in any number of ways Jesus can speak to you and give you direct divine revelation as an individual, not based on any particular merit that you have, simply based on the fact that you have agreed to this relationship and submitted to him. And the problem is that that does create some, pro- some, some difficulties in, in managing a congregation. And, so, and the, the average person is not going to feel super comfortable with the idea that they have a direct line to God. It takes a special kind of person to have a thought and to assume that that thought is divine revelation. Um, Not everyone can comfortably do that. And so, what ends up happening is 
you know, in the Catholic Church or in the Orthodox Church, they had this idea of apostolic succession, right. where, you know, you can, any, any given priest theoretically can trace his lineage back to one of the apostles, and that anointing given to the apostle by Jesus is, is passed down to that priest, right? We did away with all that in the Reformation, and so now the anointing is a much more vague process, but we still believe in the anointing of authority. It's just that it's somewhat difficult to pin down exactly where that starts. And so, something like those prayer circles, one of the reasons that they're a big deal is because people will typically view it as an anointing from someone who has established spiritual authority. And so, now that established spiritual authority is being passed on to you through the laying on of hands. And so, they have anointings with oil, but they also have anoint like spiritual anointings with the laying on of hands and the speaking of tongues. And then, when you have that authority, then people who aren't so sure about whether or not their own thoughts are direct revelations from God can turn to you and have a little bit more confidence that what you're saying comes directly from God. Right. Okay. I mean, I, in that context, actually, it, uh, that's a better explanation because we, but it still doesn't, uh, the, 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 the catalyst doesn't wash, but we, a group, when a group of Muslims get together, a group of anybody gets together and you're dealing with morale and you're dealing with motivation, you're dealing with, I got it here, right here at the, at the cafe, right? So, you know, we we uh, we had an employee that left in a very uh, quit in a very dramatic fashion, and so we uh, we made shirts, t-shirts. I made t-shirts and gave them to everybody to commemorate that dramatic uh, separation. <laughs> and so everybody wore them yesterday. Uh, and uh, and so you know, building morale. And uh, maintaining that morale and enthusiasm, mm-hmm. and then feeling empowered, and uh, also uh, uh, having the being um, really empowered, but also being staying as part of the group, the collective. Yeah, you know, to keep that cohesion was all part of that exercise. You know, and uh, and it's the, it's the same thing with the prayer circles. The, the problem is, like, this is a cafe. This is a this is a business. And I do my work in the back here, you know. Um, but when it comes to having such command over the hierarchy, is pe- very extremely peculiar. And you know, Judaism and, and, and Islam are very similar in the, in, the, in the sense that it's about doing, it's about performing good works as many as you can over your in your life. Uh-huh. And, and that's generally the rubric. I mean, if you cut away all the rules and and the the, 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 the precepts of how to perform operate as far as ethics and rules and all this other stuff that's generally what it is right give the world a better place more or less do unto others respect somebody even though they're different but you know you gotta maintain your whole um, that guy that I was seeing on TikTok is extremely he's not respecting anybody and yeah. he's arbitrating over the faith as if he represents Islam it's, re- it's ridiculous it's absurd you know, and and people are looking for guidance, and people are looking to be part of you know the three things they say that are part of faith, right? It's it's theology, it's community, identity. So they're trying so hard to petition this individual for guidance, and 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 he's a bigot, and so they're getting the incorrect advice uh, because the correct advice is is that, and it's stated in every book of Islamic law, 
whether it's an extreme like like uh, like Shirazi or Sistani, which is liberal. These are those are Shia, but but in any Makdar, um, uh, uh, Maliki or it doesn't matter, Jafri or Hanafi, in the Book of Islamic Law, it'll say that you need to be a good jurist, and no one can tell you how to be a good Muslim, not even an Imam. In every book, it says that's like the first line, and so you have to arbitrate what's right or wrong within the uh, the construct of the of the of of, of the, the book of Islamic law. Now, hmm. the problem is that books of Islamic law Islamic law contain a lot of stuff. Yeah, some of it is peculiar because it, it generally recites elements that have come before a come before uh, uh, as as a problem, right? And so it's like here's a rule. And uh, my my wife passed away, um, but 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 her her mother is still around. Can I marry her? Right. Mm-hmm. And so there may be there'll be examples of stuff like that in a book of Islamic law because it's been it's been heard, it's been presented, and so so they try to go through as many scenarios as possible. Mm. And even to a Muslim, it's kind of peculiar. Like somebody must have come and said, "Can I marry my mother-in-law?" Yeah. And and, and so they then they take this ruling and say okay this is what was this was what was decided only in this amount uh, in this in maybe a certain amount of time or you know whatever it is you know and and it's it's possible in this construct in this context mm-hmm. um and so um i, I just if you know i find you, you're getting away from the way of living because you're empowering people with spiritual and godly power yep so people aren't don't have the idea of doing the right thing because they're walking away saying we have the power of God. We, uh, yeah, the Holy Spirit's on my shoulder. You know, I'm I'm popping out blessings to everybody. Mm-hmm. So it's peculiar. Speaking You're- specifically for evangelicalism, uh, in the evangelical world that I'm familiar with, uh, if you say the word law, nine out of ten times, that's a negative word. Law is bad. We're trying to get away from the law. The law was sort of like the, the there are some verses in the New Testament that basically say that the law was our nursemaid. It got us to a certain point, but the, one of the roles of Jesus was to bring us past the law, beyond the law. But didn't, didn't Jesus say that you have to abide by the law? And you're talking about Jewish? You're talking about the Torah? yeah. We yeah. don't. <laughs> I, I, I know he said that. So, Asadisa said, you gotta yeah. by law, which is the precept, which is the, the core belief system of, of, of Judaism, right? And then on top of that, that's what Islam is. Right. Yeah. So, so. By, we have, every good Muslim has to have the, the Torah, the Psalms, uh, the Injal, which is the, the, the New Testament, it's sayings of Jesus, and then, and then the Quran. So, you have, like, it, it's anchored in the law. And so it's so peculiar, particularly because Jesus said you have to abide by the law. How do you how do you get around that? So the way we get around it is by saying that Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. So the the is idea like is that all the all the things that God was trying to do with the law up to Jesus was fulfilled and embodied in the work that Jesus did. And so, right in, in some, what that means in some cases is that the work, the, the atoning work that Jesus did on the cross abolished uh, certain portions of the law, 
uh, because they are no longer necessary in, us, in order for us to have a connection with God. Who says that? Like sacrifices. Who, who, who said? That's just kind of common evangelical theology. But who, like, who said, like, like, but Jesus is the guy. Yeah. Again, we're, like, is it just interpretation of, like... Yeah, I mean, well, Jesus said, I, I have... I, I have not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill the law. Right. Right. But the way that that's interpreted within evangelicalism traditionally is that by fulfill, he means that there are certain particulars of the law that no longer need to be strictly adhered to. Although, you know, the, the typical evangelical will stay, still say, well, yeah, I mean, you still have to follow the Ten Commandments and, and stuff like that. The, the, the main thing to keep in mind, though, if we're splitting hairs, is that none of that is a, a technical prerequisite to salvation. Right. Right. Salvation is its own thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah you just accept Jesus. Yeah. You just it. accept Jesus into your heart and that's done. Right. And right. for, for many, if not most evangelicals, that's irreversible. Once it's done, it's done. And no matter what you do from then on, you can't undo it. But if you're trying to be a good Christian, then in, in most cases, that will mean, you know, following something like the law in many cases. So, it, there, it's not completely devoid of any kind of moralism. It's not a moral free-for-all. But it does open up a lot of room for kind of uh, interpretation and personal experience and stuff like that. And typical, typically evangelicals are more worried about promoting the gospel right. in and of itself than they are about getting people to live a certain way. Now, that's not, I'm painting with a very broad brush here, because if you think like of traditional Baptists or Pentecostals or something like that, many of those movements did have very strict legalism, and, and someone within it was expected to, you know, dress a certain way, yeah, not drink, not go to stuff. movies, stuff like that. But that form of evangelicalism is becoming very much a thing of the past. And it's becoming much much less common. It's, it's certainly not something that was typical, you know, in the '80s and '90s when I grew up. And it's it's just I, I, I like I said, it's I'm I'm kind of like ever anchoring that in like an experience, and, and I don't you know I, I'm not, I it's just one of these things. I just I, it's it's so peculiar. But every Wednesday, the evangelicals meet out front. Mm -hmm. um, they they did they did use my office here in the winter. And uh, and they you know they're 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 doing their thing and you know I'm an advocate of religious freedom so I was just like you know okay uh, um, I think that uh, I, don't know, I appreciate your insights into it I mean we have the same thing in Islam there's a, there's a, there are people that think that they're arbitrating God's will almost will on earth in the sense that they are building a, an army of superhuman warriors to do whatever well and that of course that's inevitable I mean that that. The point is that so far, as far as I understand it, Jesus has not come down from the clouds in a way that everybody could see to declare what is right and what, what, is, what is correct orthodoxy and what is not correct orthodoxy. He has, he has a, not smited the heretics. And, and it has a uh, Hasidisa. I'll have to bring one up. Yeah, my, but that's something I, that's... that's eschatological it happens in the future yeah. so far it hasn't happened yet and so they, it's happened they have that guy on, on the planet he's here now oh well, okay yeah, but that's a cult and well it's it's, what, it's, what, it's one of the things that cult yes. leaders you know the, the you know a, a typical quality of a cult is is that the cult will say well our leader is yeah. jesus yeah. incarnate 
is yeah. God incarnate. Yeah, the, right. David Koresh was yeah. was uh, was in Jim Jones. All those guys were were they Jesus? Right. Or yeah. Manner, shape, or form. Yeah, and that's like you know fairly typical for a cult once it gets to a particular stage, and and it is because of that uncertainty at a at a you know most people given an opportunity for certainty will jump at it. Right. Right. And some people crave certainty so badly that they will um, accept whoever comes along saying, this is how it works. This is how we're going to do things. This is what's going to solve everything. Just trust me. Even if that person is objectively cartoonish. <laughs> Trump. <laughs> Trump. Well, I, I mean... I can, I can, I've, seen, I've been around, I saw Trump, but they saw everybody praying over him. And, and we saw this picture right before we started the podcast. And I, and I told you, I was like, I, I don't know how he could not believe it. Uh, because he, he's, he, he, he already has a, a view of himself. And then you have, you surround yourself with authorities within their, their own, their own community, right? So when Matt and I would talk, he'd say, oh, that's prosperity gospel. Oh, that's that. Oh, that. I'm like, but these are part of your community. And be like, oh, well, there's this and that. And and I'm not devaluing what Matt you said. Is I, I don't know all the nuances, but the problem is is that these are the challenges. These guys were all authorities. They all were recognized. They all had flocks. Um, they all had people. I'm trying to think. Uh, Pastor Jeffers in Texas I sat next to him at a dinner and, and interacted with him three or four times. I was at, when it, at UNGA, at the UN General Assembly. He came up to me and he was like, he's like, oh, John, how are you? And I'm like, I'm all right. And, uh, and, and uh, you know, pulled him aside and talked about one of his sermons that I listened to. I go, boy, you're really passionate about hating Islam. And he's like, and, and it was funny. He just, he was, he's, he said the same thing that you said at the beginning here. He's like, showmanship. Yep. And so he said, I go, he goes, I'm in Texas. He goes, you know exactly what's going on. I go, I do. I do know exactly what's going on. Right. I, and, and so we were at that point where it was a casual and we were, familiar, we were casual enough and familiar enough to have a, a candid conversation. Uh, and, you know, I, I wasn't advocating at that point. I, I don't advocate anymore in, in that manner, shape, or form. But, but the dangers of, of bringing people into a fervor in dallas or wherever his place is where there's a very large muslim population mm -hmm. is is uh dangerous sure and and the you know the, the frivolity of his statement is, is that uh, the callousness and, and casual nature of it is that you know well you know it's showmanship it, 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 it was dis dismissive in many respects and and as we look at all these you know attacks and this and that and everything else, it I, I don't know. I think people are very very strained when they say when when things are like motivated. I think the problem is is that there's always a few people in the audience that think that 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 digest that that sermon in a in a in a certain way, and it's one part of a larger part of maybe this is the problem, and I should do something about it. You know, and so I think it's much more complex. Uh, but but I think that helping it along is certainly wrong. And but he uh, under the auspices of showmanship to create that spiritual experience and that fervor that you and I were talking about earlier. Yeah. Well, one of the appeals of evangelicalism is that it reduces life in the world 
to a single problem. Have you accepted Jesus Christ into your heart? Right. right? And everything else is just sort of icing. So you can worry about other things if you want to, but you don't have to. All you have to worry about is one thing. Have I, have I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart? And am I encouraging other people to do likewise? Right. That's all that matters. And if you want to, you can reduce it down to that single question. Right. And that simplicity is really valuable to people who are living confusing, complex, modern lives. Well, there's a, there's a guy that comes that comes every Wednesday, and he he was a prison guard. He's a prison guard, and he hated life and every and it went you know it was re, and it's hard. It's a hard job. He's in maximum maximum security prison. Yeah, and he took and he talked about his faith experience with me, and it worked. He's now positive, enjoying life, doing everything. And there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's comforting him in, in a way in which he deals with the prisoners and himself and his family in a positive way. Yeah. Which I think is fantastic. And so I, I, I'm not going to get into the theology of that or whether what my belief system or whatever it is because it's working for him and he's living a great life. It's just when it gets a little bit, if you, you know, if you and I start talking about theology and what is, what, you know, what, what, what is, then that becomes, it's a fun conversation. We get back and forth on it. Um, and like, you know, Jesus said he's going to abide by the law, but then all of a sudden he's the fulfillment of the law, which gets rid of the law. I don't think this guy cares about the law. I think he just cares about living through his shift and coming home and not taking out what happened on the shift on his wife. You know yeah, I mean? yeah. He, he was he was feeling some kind of a presumably burden of guilt or shame yeah. or something like that. And the sort of redemptive, uh, propitiatory uh, qualities of Jesus relieved that tension for him, put yeah. it in a context that made sense. Yeah. And, it's, it, and there's value in that. I mean, the, the fundamental message of the gospel, that we were disconnected from God, and through the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf, not because of anything that we did or any inherent value on our parts, but simply because he wanted to, he chose to, um, reconnected us with God. And there's nothing else we have to do except to say, yes, I believe that that happened. Uh, and then it's done. Th so that... I think for many people simply brings a great deal of comfort. It's, it's a very compelling and beautiful narrative. Yeah, I, I can, I mean, I see it, you know, you could, it's, it's great. It just, I can't start my day without a cup of coffee, <laughs> you know? So let me get that cup of coffee and everything's going to be all right. But if I don't get that cup of coffee, then my day is going to be, is going to go off the rails. So you're making, you're making a comparison to the gospel. Like you, you need to be able to connect to, this this kind of core belief that makes everything okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, some you, there has to be something that that external that makes everything okay. Yeah. So, as in, in Islam, it's that it's very different. It's very you have to internalize it. You have to make your day around the idea of. I, I'm hesitant to say submission because it's such a pejorative term, but the idea of of connecting with the oneness of the community, yeah, and that's the real important part of it. 
five times a day, three times a day, you know, when you're praying, when you're slotting out, you're doing stuff, and then everyone's saying the same thing. So evangelical Christianity comes from a, a Western context, Western, the Western way of thinking is very generally speaking more individual in nature and so the question is how do i as an individual relieve myself of this burden of guilt based on the fact that i know i could be better than i am and i'm not right and in an eastern context that's a more communal question yeah, it's like how do i take on the responsibility of my community how do i take on the responsibility how do i know that i am doing the right thing for the group yeah for the group the family for and yeah and the, and the only way to do that is that i have to be act i have to be on the i have to be on, on the train when it leaves the station yeah and so it's so and it's and the train it's not your own train everyone's on the train right so and so there's just like two very different mindsets that come out of a fairly long process of cultural evolution. Yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. I, it, but I appreciate you taking the time today, but I mean, I don't know how. Like I said, we're, <laughs> this is our first go at it. Usually, we're bantering back and forth a little bit when we're sitting over breakfast or chatting. I just want to say uh, we're, we're we've been looking at this picture uh, from the AP um, this whole time. And it's a picture of um, Donald Trump surrounded by a prayer circle. Pa Pastor Paul is there. Yeah, Pastor and Paul I, is I there. I recognize a few of the people. So there's a guy. Uh, it's the guy that's. Um, let me see if I can pull it up. There's a guy. I'll tell you. So like th these people, you dealt with quite a bit. At, at so I don't. I don't recognize. I, so behind Pastor Paul is somebody famous who's I know. Well, I, I know him to see him. But I don't know who he is. Um, but he's he's a famous guy. He's a famous pastor. Pastor Paul is in the pink. And then the guy on the left, the far left, he's from Florida. He was a, a, a pastor from Florida. I don't recognize the lady in the leopard, uh, and I don't represent re re recognize the two people on the right. It was very difficult to keep track of everybody. Um, <laughs> very very difficult. And that and that the the article says losing our religion review trump and the crisis of u.s christianity and what was my response to you it's like oh, they're being it's it's all about martyrdom right now so their, their guy was in charge and their guy everyone enjoyed the fruits of his labors in, while while in office and and now that he's not in office and there's fallout there there's, there's some kind of persecution but yeah. I, 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 you know, we, we read, you read the article. What, what, what do you think of that interpretation? Well, I, I didn't have time to read the article before we had this conversation. What, what I'm keying in on is, is the photo. Um, I, I just think it's hilarious. I remember seeing this meme. Um, I, I can't find a copy of it right now, but I, I saw it floating around Facebook uh, back when Barack Obama was in office. And it was a comparison of two photos. One was a photo of G.W. Bush in a prayer circle. Right. And the other was a photo of Barack Obama in the prayer circle. And in uh, the G.W. Bush photo, um, Bush had his head lowered and his eyes closed along with everybody else. Right. And in b the Barack Obama photo, Barack Obama had his hands raised and he was looking up at the sky while everybody else had their heads bowed. Right, like a Jesus manner. Yeah, right? yeah. And, and so the the, the nature of... Trump is, Trump is just staring at He's the looking camera. right at the camera. Why so the nature of the meme was that uh, George W. Bush had humility, right? 
and, and that Barack Obama lacked humility because instead of being humble and lowering his gaze before the awesome um, presence of God, he was lifting up his hands and looking up to the sky as if he expected a blessing. But what is Trump doing? <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, well, Trump has got his, like, I, I, again, I worked, I worked in, I worked in all three administrations, uh, worked with all three administrations, and I can say that, that, that George Bush, you know, he, he went through some, he went through some shit. Yep. Um, so he was, I, I mean, I, you know, did some drugs, did some alcohol, did a lot of stuff, and I think that he was very personally engaged in his own faith experience yeah and from my interaction with him and i had multiple with him he was something yeah he's my favorite president that i've interacted with yeah um, and i've interacted always since clinton i mean clinton was set was fun um obama would say things he always had a knack whether it was openly or personally to you to say something and you would feel it mm -hmm. i don't know how he did that but then he, there would be not, there would be nothing behind it. Mm -hmm. So he'd make you feel it in your head and your heart, and then he wouldn't follow through. And then, um, but and but George Bush, George was, he, he meant what he said, and was very engaging on what he said and cared. Mm -hmm. You really, you really felt like you cared. Trump. I mean, I understand all the stuff that's going on right now because the basically, the philosophy in the office. And this, and I heard this, heard this come in, in the office was F it. So I could see him being like, grab those boxes. Let's bring these boxes home with us. Well, this is uh, this is highly secured information. F it. What are they going to do? Yeah. They're not going to put a president in prison. You know, no one, he's, oh, he would, he's always about doubling down on people. So yeah. you know, the challenge is, is that if he's, if, 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 if I worked with Trump, uh, and his companies, and, and, and he decided he didn't want to pay me, I would turn around and say, well, I'm going to sue you. And he'd say, I'm suing you first. Yeah. And then you'd have to decide whether you're going to mobilize your lawyers to do it and waste all that cash. Most people wouldn't. And he'd win. Mm -hmm. He would just double down and bully you. The problem with effort, saying effort to something as large as like classified documents and then sharing them and being very, very casual with them is that the government has limitless resources to deal with a lawsuit, right? So he, he countersued. The first thing he did was he countersued the government, the Department of Justice, and the judge's like, no. Um, so his philosophy of effort, bring it on, you're not gonna, you're not gonna come after, you're not gonna put president in prison, there's tradition, and I'm gonna rely on that tradition, even though I'm doing that, is very much who he is. Yeah. I just find the, the photo to be so telling because in this instance, he's in this prayer circle, everybody's got their heads bowed, eyes closed, hands on him, and he is staring straight at the camera with his apprentice stare yeah. saying, you know, God is with me. <laughs> Are you? Well, and, and <laughs> you know? this is why people think, like, one, like, Trump would always make you feel good about yourself. Yeah. And that's what this is. So he's making contact with an individual saying, you know, I, I'm with you. Yep. And that's what that eye contact means. That's what that is. And he would, look, you're in the office and he first said, oh, John, how, you know, what's going on? Remember, did this, blah, 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 you know, 
get this guy a cup of coffee. He likes cups with mugs or with saucers. He's a this is a little bit prissy with how he likes to drink his coffee. He makes sure there's a spoon, even though he doesn't take sugar. It, you know, before you know, you got a cup of coffee with a saucer on it, and you're like, "What?" And you know, you know, how, what's going on with you? How's the family? You know, makes you feel like a million bucks. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, he. But at any moment, you know, he could, he could, he could come down. Right. And one of the reasons why I've been so successful in my government relations career is I always talk to everybody the same way I talk to you know you and I. Right? Yep. So I don't. I, I, you know, I got kicked out of the, I got kicked out of the Trump White House three times, um, and uh, it's strange that I was the most liberal person probably walking through those doors, hmm. which is odd. Yeah. Because the Democrats just decided we're just gonna, we're not going to engage at all. So it, the whole room, in many respects, would be a consensus, and I'd say, well, wait a minute, we're doing this, and uh, right away they'd say, are you with the left? And I'm like. Uh, I'm not with anybody. I'm not with you guys, and I'm certainly not with them. I, I, I'm trying to do what's in the best interest of the republic mm-hmm. and the American people. But and that that's within that, my frame of reference. So you guys need someone needs to say this. And I resented the Democrats for for backing out so fast and not engaging at all because there was no alternate voice with the Trump administration. Right. And the staffing was so low. So like the Ike Building, the Eisenhower Building which is where everything gets done. Everything's the West Wing, it's not. It's the garbage. The Obama, at any given time, there's 800 to 1,000 people in that building. Obama administration had 1,500. Wow. There's so many people arbitrating over stuff that nothing got done. Yeah. Trump had, at, at, at any given time, 100 to 125 people. There was more security surrounding the building than there were people working in it. Wow. And so there wasn't a brain trust, because he was running like a family business. Yeah. There just wasn't a brain trust. Uh, going over the stuff that needed to be gone over. Uh, but the Obama administration, everything was just, I mean, Obamacare, everything was arbitrated over of so much that nothing was really produced when they launched Obamacare. And then they, they had so much, um, they didn't want to interact with the predecessors of the healthcare, you know, the national healthcare. They didn't want to interact with Ted Kennedy. And, and who, had, who had made his career, he, he had worked his whole entire career to, to operationalizing national health care. They basically, they, they, just, they just pushed all that aside. And they had this this doctor, uh, his last name is Andra, who came, basically came up with this and said, maybe we do it this way. And they said, we're going to go with that. Let's launch it. Put it online. Yeah. Uh, it, it, so they arbitrated so long, they decided to go with some kind of like make a slipshot decision based on a doctor's opinion. And that's why Obamacare didn't launch right. That's why there's problems up to this, this day with it um, and all kinds of other stuff. Yep. Well, I think uh, the Archangel Michael is at the door. Maybe, maybe so. Yeah. So uh, th- th- thank you for taking the time to talk. And, <laughs> Good and like talking said, to you, John. Yep. We'll, we'll do it next time. All right. So long.